I like the sound of sipping. I find it very comforting. Some people like ASMR, the whispering. I just like the sound of... Did ASMR stuff really work? It's so creepy. Everybody sounds like a pedophile to me. I know. I'm going to start a channel. I'm going to start a Raylan ASMR, and it's just going to be like, hello, hello. Hey, everybody. Raylan Casper White here with another festive episode of X-Ray. I have been away, and I apologize. I know that my lack of presence has been very uh, upsetting to many of you, or maybe none of you. I don't know. It's upsetting to me. I've been running around a bit, uh, running around around the country, around the world, and also dealing with flaky guests. L.A. is a is a flaky, it's like a, a croissant, croissant of human behavior. Just, you know, people, I think every day here is the same. It's every day is sunny. People see no ramification. Like, they're like, tomorrow's going to be exactly like today. Time does not move forward. So it doesn't matter if I don't show up today. I might as well show up tomorrow. It's exactly the same thing. It's not, folks. Okay? So I, I, did, I did deal with some flaky guests. But I'm, I'm fine. I'm not angry. Well, I'm a little angry, but I'm not, I'm not, okay, I'm a little bitter too. But I'm happy to be back, and I'm so thrilled to have this guest here who has an interesting look on his face now, a little perplexed. Is that a perplexed look? I, I just felt bad for what you were going through. Oh, thank you. Oh, look at a little empathy right in the morning. <laughs> I love a little empathy at 9 a.m. By the way, just want to let people know that are concerned. I'm starting to take vitamin D. I don't know why, but I heard that as, as you age, your body doesn't produce enough. God knows we have enough sunlight here, but I guess your body doesn't process the sunlight. So people, and maybe some ladies too, check your vitamin D levels. If I could give a little PSA on that, check your vitamin D levels. I don't know if what happens if you don't have enough vitamin D. I don't know if you die or you get agitated or you stop menstruating. I don't know what happens, but I'm just taking it just in case. I don't take any other vitamins, but vitamin D seems like the right one to go with. Anyway, I'm here with Lou Amdor. Amdor? Amdor. Amdor. Lou Amdor is an amazing uh, wine uh, connoisseur, and he uh, wine shop owner, Lou's Wine Shop in Los Feliz, and, and uh, a specialist in natural wine. We'll get into that. But let me just preface by saying welcome. Thanks. I love wine. I'm very not knowledge, unknowledgeable about wine. I find knowledgeable people about wine usually annoying, but I still want to know more. Do you know what I mean? It's this weird internal conflict I have with myself. Did you go to wine school? I did a program called the Wine and Spirits Educational Trust. Okay. And I, I did that for about four years. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, and then I opened my wine shop. Okay. Uh, I had a wine bar before my wine shop. So you a, weren't, you, this is pre, you did the wine uh, restaurant before you had the Correct. The yeah, trust. I had a, wine, had a wine bar for seven years in Hollywood. Okay. And, uh, but before that, I I'm kind of cautious and analytical, so I wanted to make sure I understood as much as I could, just as an amateur. Yeah. So I studied and did the WSET then, and okay. went to London and did the coursework there, and and schlepped around to just to try. Wow, to, that doesn't like a lot of schlepping. And that, but I hadn't even decided to like make a transition from software to. Uh, oh, you were in software yeah, before, yeah, so you so. really are a cerebral dude. Oh. But were you like a boozer growing up? <laughs> <laughs> boozer. <laughs> uh, sorry. No. Um, no. No. Uh, no. Like, uh, how'd you get into what? Like, what well, got you, know, you into I'm wine? I'm a Jew, and we drink wine. And my, okay. My now, family, is it true that there are less alcoholics in the Jewish faith? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like we had good wine around, but my we had you know kosher wine, Manischewitz, and that was which is horrific, isn't it? Ugh. Yeah. Uh, it's super industrial and gross, but. Okay. Um, my uncle, my dad's father, began growing grapes in Minnesota in the 50s and made wine. And so I was aware of it. And 
he actually had two acres of land and farmed it and oh, had a wow. little tractor and the whole thing. And, but can uh, you grow uh, good grapes in such a cold climate? Well, I've never heard of a Minnesota having wine country. Typically, you can only grow native grapes because they're frost resistant and otherwise disease resistant. Oh, but, interesting. Uh, what you can do is, and it's very laborious, is you can bring in straw and in the fall after harvest and you just heap straw with a pitchfork. Imagine a large vineyard. It would be yeah. Real. And you heap straw and you make you mound the vines with straw and then you spray with a hose water. And then the water, when it when a frost comes and then it freezes, it creates sort of like an insulating thing. Oh, wow, and like a keeps, cocoon. Mm-hmm, and it keeps the vines from uh, the sap from, I guess, bursting. I, I don't think it's infallible, but okay. uh, yeah. So that's, that's what he did. And uh, I remember as a kid tasting his wine for the first time and thinking... I thought it was bitter because I'd only had sweetened Right, you only like, had the grape at the same juice time, shit. Like, hey, this is like, I don't like this. Yeah. But yeah, so even as like a five-year-old, I really liked it then, Industrial so. Jews in Minnesota, who knew? So let me ask you a question. Okay, because obviously, maybe you can break this stuff down to me. Is it true that you can get like a good, super, super cheap wine? Or is it really like the more the wine is expensive, the better it's going to be? Well, you know, it's all set and setting. And, you know, a, a wine that you're enjoying at the beach with oysters on a hot summer day, uh, fr- raw oysters, uh, your, the pleasure, the pleasureometer doesn't go beyond 10. Let's say it, it's okay. our, it's, you've, you, you're, you're already starting yeah, at a you certain the needle baseline. With that. Right. So yeah, you know, depending what you're doing, who you're with, what you're, if you're eating, what you're eating, where, where you are, what mood you're in, it's all, there's so many variables. Like if I'm about to have sex, probably like a two buck chuck will be fine for me. Because I know that the sexual activity is imminent. That, is that what me, you're kind of saying? That would be to me a complete cock blocker. Would it really? <laughs> two, two buck chuck, yeah. <laughs> the erection just dissolves. Yeah, I just, For those that don't know, two buck chuck is a wine that I think Trader Joe's sells. Um, it says Charles Shaw on the bottle, and it's literally $2. But I read no, once. No, it's $3. Now. Oh, is it? Th- oh, then or that's absurd. But I heard that it's actually can be decent wines that are just packaged like leftover. No, it's not. It's one mythology. winery. It's no, a mythology. No, it's, it's it's a Franzia product, and it was all just uh, no. It's just, pretty much boxed wine in a you, bottle. It's actually it's actually cheaper than boxed wine. Wow. Yeah. Which, so what is it? Just like you know, like hot dogs, like lips and assholes, as my friend used to call it. Is that that of wine? Is it the hot dog of wine? No, it's made from grapes. Uh, okay. The grapes are grown in California's Central Valley. So that's decent, right? Well, they're industrial grapes. It's all pesticide and oh, herbicide-driven okay. agriculture and heavily irrigated. But then, uh, to keep the prices so low, the actual quantity of grapes is probably relatively low, okay. and the yield is very, very high. Interesting. So you have super high yields. The grape, the resulting fruit, yields pretty bland juice or not interesting juice. Okay. Uh, and then they do all sorts of chem- chemical magic when they make the wine to make it something that they can sell and make a profit at. The volume is tremendous with this wine. So, wow. you, know, so you have to make... Anyway, so it's sort of like, it's almost like a soda in a way in terms of the ingredients that are put into it. So it's more like the, the tab. I hate to use an, an old one. A Coke. The Coke tab. of wine. Tab. tab. Remember Tab? I, I had one not too long ago just to kind of remember. Do they still make Tab? Yeah, I, th- I think. I like the can. It was always no, the cool font. No, was it the Tab cool or font. was it Fresca? Sorry, it was a Fresca. Oh, I don't touch that shit. It was, but Tab was delightful. Tab was like, you know, Suzanne Summers, Jane Fonda, leggings, you know, 80s, just disco time. It was something I remember in the 70s. <laughs> I think it came out in the late 60s, actually. Did it really? Yeah. And the, tab. And the pink branding was like, I thought it was, it was brilliant. so exciting. As it a was kid, very like, exciting. Look at that tab. It was hot pink. You yeah. know what I mean? It had a festivity to it. Yeah. You could feel John Travolta dancing under the can there. You know what I mean? <laughs> so 
I, I don't like white wine. I know that white wine doesn't have the skin. The red wine does have the skin. Is that basic knowledge that I have? In, in, in general, yes. There is a category of white wine that we call orange wine that's fermented with white wine, white grapes that are fermented with the skins of the grapes. Okay. So we call them orange wine because they pick up pigment. There's no orange in it. But There's we no call orange. Them, no. Okay. But in general today, the way we make white wine is we take white grapes uh, or red. Okay. Uh, we crush them uh, and we press them right away, get them off the skins and just take the juice and ferment the juice. So when you ferment, you have a choice of putting it in either like an oak barrel or a stainless steel. Or concrete or con terracotta anything. or fiberglass. There's all sorts and of And so things. every receptacle has a natural bacteria that ferments the wine, or do you always have to add a little bit of bacteria? Like, where's the art there? Like, what well, makes a certain wine, like a Brunello, what makes a certain wine, Chateau Neuf du Pop, 10 grand, and one makes it 300? Like, what is it? Well, you asked a, you asked a really deep question. Okay, and I'm a so deep person. You're and dainty. Um, <laughs> what, what makes the wine the wine is a combination of the natural object, the plant, uh, that today we mostly don't have GMO. You know, so it's something that over thousands of years we've bred and played with. But it okay. comes from, and it's a successive breeding of a wild biotype. Uh, I think it's Vitis vinifera sylvestra. This is uh, the grape? Yeah, this is the, all European grapes uh, come from a, a European wild grape. So we oh, domesticated this grape okay. uh, around 10,000 years ago. Started wow. to, yeah. Okay. Uh, so pretty young. Wine's pretty young. 10,000 years? Well, I guess not that Even young. making okay. wine more longer. How long have we been here? Here in the studio? Yeah, in the studio. <laughs> no, on Earth. How long have humans been around? Well, if we're talking about, I guess, biologically. Like Homo sapiens, not, you know, not yeah. Neanderthals. I. 200,000 years? Oh, you're asking the wrong person. I'm asking you. I yeah. don't know anything. You could have told me 50,000 years. I'd be like, no, that no, makes no. sense. I think, I think there's some genetic... Uh, well, uh, I guess Neanderthals could have been drinking wine too. Like who's stopping? You know, they, they've been whittling and making cave paintings and drinking wine. Well, what's easier is just making mead. All you do is you find a bee, a bee nest. Okay. Get the bee nest, take the honey out. Put it in any any janky old vessel, add some water, go away, and then you have hooch after a few days. Really? Yeah, I mean, that may not be See, very how good. how do I not know this? I've never been a big drink. People always think I'm a big drinker. I'm not a big drinker. Okay, so we go back to our other questions. So what makes a 10 grand wine versus, you know, so you have the same wild grape in right. Europe. So it all, so uh, it, these are all domesticated grapes that came from, you know, hundreds of years. Right, right. Millennia of okay. selection of people playing with the grape type, the biotypes. So what we call Cabernet today comes from a very long biological bot botanical history that dates all the way back to the you know to ten thousand years ago. Right, right, right. So we've only been doing this for about ten thousand years. Right. Okay. So, okay. so Cabernet yeah. is a kind of grape. Correct. The Pinot yeah. Noir is a kind of grape. Right. So you asked a question about the vessels that it's in. Yes, yes. the vessels impact what happens to the wine. Not every vessel has um, a mic uh, microbiome. A, a barrel can have a microbiome unless living you in the wood. Inside the wood, it right. saturates, and yeah. there's, there's bacteria and yeast that live in the wood. Winemakers try to do a good job of keeping them clean, but saturated in the wood, there's okay. stuff going on. Okay. Uh, and uh, stainless steel vessels tend to be very inert. Uh, and obviously, if you're not OCD and don't clean the barrels out entirely or the, the vats out entirely, right. stainless, there'll be some residue there. But do you put the, the, I'm assuming that the oak has oxygen seeping in and a vat does not. That's exactly why we use barrels. And so... So you use different kinds of woods used for barrels. Okay. Oak is the one we know we, is the most common, but also uh, chestnut can be used, acacia. Teak? No, teak. Mahogany? Plywood? I think mahogany might be a possibility. I You'd like have that to leach, mahogany leach the shit out of it to get all of all the tannins. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Tell, I don't know what a tannin is. So yeah. You have to explain that to me in a minute. The thing about oak barrels is that oak is my, or wood is microporous. 
and it lets in a little bit of air. Right. So are so is terracotta. So if you're if you're if you're uh, fermenting in a terracotta vessel, uh, feels uh, like too much like a bathroom to me. You know, I think terracotta, I think tile. Well, I people think like floors. them because they're clean. They're easy to clean, are and they? they and they don't. A little get, Windex on the inside. No, once you're done, you just empty everything out. Right. Scrub it. Scrub it. You're good to like, go. Think about like a terracotta pot. You don't need to bleach the shit out of it after yeah. you're done using it. Just no. give it a good scrub. I don't own any terracotta pots. You're really missing out. I know I am. <laughs> I want to buy a copper pot. They're like five hundred dollars on Amazon. Copper is expensive. Cooking pot. Yeah. I always wanted a copper pot. I know. Sorry. So the microporous, the, the natural bacteria comes in from the oxygen. No, so, the bac- so yeast and bacteria are what give us wine. Without yeast and bacteria, no we wine. just have grape juice. Right. So uh, yeast uh, are primarily responsible for creating alcohol. Uh, ethanol and other other alcohols as well, but primarily okay. ethanol. Okay. And what yeast do is they eat, they're they they're everywhere. We're breathing them now. Right. Uh, they're they're ubiquitous. Uh, and in some areas, there's there's really healthy populations of yeast that allow wines to ferment naturally. Okay. In an industrial setting, and especially if you're making millions and stainless and millions, steel. Well, if you're making millions and millions of bottles, right. You're not gonna mess around with wild yeast because you're not going to rely on it to no, just get there. No, you're making an industrial product. If you're making something smaller scale, you take a small gamble, especially if you know what you're doing, it's less and less of a gamble. But when you use wild yeast you and you don't interfere with that, right. uh, you hope it's a more delicious product. That's why we do it. So people don't even add yeast. It's no. just a natural Most process. of the wine that I work with is all made from ambient yeast, wild yeast. Ambient yeast. Yeah. That sounds like a good band. Ambient you know yeast. what I mean? I want to go see ambient yeast at the forum. I like that. I have ambient yeast. We're not going to go there. Um, give you a yeast and desist. <laughs> oh, we're this punnery, punnery galore. So why does a wine go bad if it's already fermented? Well, I mean, if a wine is made without a lot of sulfites or no right. sulfites, one of the things that sulfur does. What's, okay, so sulfites are added sulfur that you mm-hmm. add, you add yeah. it. Well, it's always also, added. Not always. A, lo- a lot of wines have actually a rather significant amount of naturally occurring sulfites okay. that are expressed from elemental sulfur during the fermentation process. So the yeast creates uh, hydrogen sulfide. The yeast farts yes. out sulfur. Yes. Okay. Yes, and certainly in certain in certain circumstances, much more than others, but yeah. Okay, I hate to sound ignorant. Yeast is an actual, it's what, it's not a, it's a bacteria. The no. yeast is, it's it, not, what it's is a, a yeast? It's a fungus. Yes. So it's a shroom. Yeah, well. From the family. It doesn't have a fruiting body like a shroom does. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like one yeast, is that like mi- microscopic? Correct. Okay, like a little dude. And they have a whole body process in their cellular they system. They metabolize sugar. They metabolize sugar and they fart out oh, ethanol, sulfur, and ethanol. Exactly, okay. and carbon dioxide. All right, so and other things too. But pretty yeah. much. So depending on what Bubbling. strain of yeast, the ratio of what you're emitting or what they're farting out is going to be different. Wine can go bad for a number of reasons. First of all, you know, a wine wine is an agricultural product, right? And think about it that way. And you can add stuff to wine. You can add a ton of sulfites at bottling, uh, two hundred parts or more per million. And that will continue to scavenge the oxygen and keep the oxygen from oxidi- oxidizing the juice, oh, the ferment the juice. Okay. So I've, I've opened up four 50-year-old bottles of party wine from like the early 70s. Wow. That are like given a ton of sulfites. And they're fine. And they're not dead. I wouldn't, they didn't get more interesting. Right. But, but I'm like, wow, this is actually. So sulfites act as a preservative. In, in a, a way, way they do. They, they scavenge. And do they add, they, they change they the flavor? They keep the wine from oxidizing. Okay. But yeah. they change the flavor of the wine. Well, like, can, I, can you tell, if you take a sip of wine, can you tell which one has more sulfites or less? Or is that the tannin thing that we're going to get into? My hypothesis is that uh, at low levels, uh, there is uh, uh, no correlation. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to. And we also add it. The same, add the it. same damn okay. chemical we add it. Uh, uh, people add tiny bits because they want to make sure the wine is sanitary and also gets, 
scavenges a bit sulfur of oxygen. Sulfur smells like ass, though. I got to tell you, I'm allergic to sulfur drugs. I'm allergic to stuff with sulfites. Sure. And so, I wonder if this is related, but sometimes when I have a, not all wines, yeah. a wine, I'll start sneezing uncontrollably about 15 minutes after. And I'm assuming I'm allergic to the wine. Are you Maybe asthmatic? It, no. Oh, interesting. But I'm, I'm wondering if I'm allergic to the sulfites in the wine. Well, do you have trouble with dried fruit and a whole range of other things like that? I don't sneeze from it. Yeah, so it's probably not. I mean... I'd never thought about but, it if I sneeze after I have a dried mango. Wine I, is not the only thing that has sulfites in it. So yeah. people who are truly sulfite sensitive, they'll be sneezing they, all over they the know place. It. Yeah. And wine I is one, of, one of the things they're aware of, but it's not just the only thing. So I'd, I, One thing, I always, when I try and order wine, I try and get adjective I think I use the wrong. I try and use the go-tos, leathery, oaky, chocolate, aftertaste, or not aftertaste. What's it called? The, the Taint. The, t- <laughs> the taint. No, I um, mentioned taint all the time when I describe it. What are what's a ta- what the fuck is a tannin? So tannin is a polyphenol. It okay, can is, we not can we not get into can, just I mean what is a polyphenol? <laughs> we're going to keep using terms. I'm going to have to keep friends asking. here. No, uh, not with polyphenols. All right, so uh, a tannin is something that naturally occurs in wine. It is it's a chemical. It's a chemical that is, it's in the grape. It's on the skin, in the seeds, and also on the stems. So it's everywhere. It's ever. It's also in. It's also in barrels. Uh, different type of tannin, but uh, oak also has tannin. Okay. And uh, one of the things that tannin, so it's a naturally occurring thing. Okay. And what tannin does when, if you drink a wine that has a lot of tannin, um, you will kind of pucker up in your mouth and get kind of dried out because what tannin does is it draws moisture out of tissue. Ooh. That's why we use uh, tannins to, to cure leather. It draws moisture. Without tannin, without tanning leather, we just have skin. That's what's called tanning leather? Yeah, tannin, from tannin. Holy shit. I thought yeah. it was just like put it out in the sun. I guess that's also where tan comes from. If you put yourself out in the sun and you're taking, you're drying yourself out like a fruit, you know, like a dried fruit, hmm. like a prune, you're Never tanning. That. That's interesting. It's all connected. Interesting. It's the Latin root tan. <laughs> that's where it comes from. Okay, so tannins, so some people like that puckering feeling and some yeah. people like a lower tannin right. where it's a smoother More feel. Supple and yeah. supple. Yeah. Supple. You like my little hand motion. I right? like the very the yeah. naked woman's yeah, body, sorry. just supple. And chocolate just tastes like fucking chocolate, nutty. What are the other, the, the oaky, I guess oaky. What are some of the other terms that you, when you're pe- when people are coming into the store, I come into the store, I'm like, Lou, recommend something for me. And then you start busting out your annoying adjectives. Which, what are your go-tos? I bust out my no, annoying No, I'm not accusing That's you. Good. I'm just saying in general, when people are like a sommelier is coming and, you know, busting shit out to me. What, what are the go-tos? And, you know, well, I, any, what should I understand? Okay, I... I think it's to, to feel comfortable by your level of geekery with wine. So if you're not a wine geek, like when I go into a cheese store, right. I might say, I want some little notes of, uh, of like apricot kernel lightly toasted, uh, wow. a little bit of taint, a little bit of <laughs> What's foot. with the taint? Uh, yeah, taint? Is there an issue? Are we going to, you know, no, colonoscopy are, One of the up? aspects of hydrogen sulfide compounds is they smell kind of farty. Right. And so you little, do use taint when you're describing I a wine. I don't, but okay. I just, for some reason, you bring you it keep out You keep to me. go to. Yeah, I, I, bring, I bring out the vulgar in everybody. <laughs> Wait, hey, so is what, that vulgar? Let me, um, yeah, let, me, let me just ask a quickie. Is the tannin connected to how dry a wine is, or is well, that a dry, different one? Dry just means the absence of sugar. So oh. think of like a dry martini. It's, not, it's, it's a martini that's not sweet. Why do they Same just say wine. less sweet? Why do they have to use the word dry? Because so, I thought dry was like how it felt no, no, in your no. mouth. So that's, that's a big misconception. So Ugh. tannin is astringent. It draws moisture out of your mouth. Right. And you get if it's very tannic, you get, it's kind of, your mouth gets it kind of furry terrible. on the inside. Yeah, I don't want like cotton mouth. Yeah. Whereas a wine that it's low in tannin, and m- many most white wines have no tannin. Or- so dry just means not sweet. It doesn't Correct. mean the feeling in your mouth. Correct. Smooth is not the opposite of dry. Correct. 
smooth. Something can be not sweet and smooth. Something can be sweet and not smooth. Okay, I think I just said the same thing twice. Yes. Um, Our more expensive wines tend to be drier. Some of the most fabulous wines in the world are sweet or off or not, or maybe not super sweet. Like Manischewitz-y sweet? No, like amazing old Madeira that you might spend six to $800 or more a bottle for. Is that a Spanish wine? No, it's a Portuguese wine from the island of Madeira. Oh, Madeira. I've never been to Madeira. I've never been to, Port- been to Spain, never been to Portugal. So That was Mad- the poor man's Spain. Madeira is unbelievably delicious. It is? It is. And it, it's not inexpensive any longer. It never, it, the good stuff was never dirt cheap, but okay. it's gotten a lot more expensive. It has. Okay. And... So just the bad news is you might spend $800 or $1,000 on a bottle of old Madeira. However... You sell it at the store? Like not a $1,000 bottle of Madeira. But they have cheaper Madeiras? We, we have some 15-year-old Madeiras that are not you okay. know, $800. Okay. They're still $75. But it's 15-year-old Madeira, which means it was 15 years in barrel. So the tradition in Madeira is aging wines for years, for decades sometimes wow. in barrel. And so think about it, you have this, um, this biome caramelization kind of, process. Right. And anyway, I love Madeira. When usually, uh, when you say a wine is aged, it can be sweet. There's a process. So most wines, let's say, Thank let's you. say a Brunello, of course, a Brunello, let's say they age it like three years in the barrel, but then they put it in the bottle, and then you can wait 10, 15 years. And so I'm bu- when I'm buying a 2015, it means it was bottled in 2015, but it might have been sitting in the barrel for a few years. Like well, when wine. you buy a 2015, that means it was made, the, the vintage was 2015. The grapes were harvested in, in 2015. 2015. Okay. But you don't know when it was bottled necessarily. Oh, so it could yeah. have been bottled two months before like I bought Madeira, it. Madeira, you don't know unless they, you have to know. So it's when the grapes were harvested, not Correct. when it was bottled. Correct. Okay, but what is, is there an average time that a grape needs to, like for most red wines that are, that they live in the oak, in the barrel? Well, if, if you're making years, if you're or? making super cheap industrial wine, you no, don't, no, those like, don't age at all. Okay, uh, but even like really delicious Beaujolais, the aging period is relatively short before release. So it's not like Beaujolais Nouveau where they don't age it at all. Okay. but even just a few months, six months could be sufficient for these wines to be delicious to drink. Now, a wine that does have tannin, uh, you typically want to wait a few years because what happens with a tannin? Tannin is a uh, a bipolar molecule. And it has a negative and a positive side. Okay. And it's floating along, and every so often, clink, it attaches to another tannin, uh, another molecule. Pretty soon, you have a long-chain polymer, that, and, that, and our tongues evolved to... So the tannin is still there, but they're long chains of them as opposed to shorter chains. Okay. So our tongues evolved to taste, to, to perceive short-chain tannins. Long-chain is, is, is less perceptible. So wine will start to feel less tannic, even though the tannin quantity is still there. Some of the tannin will eventually precipitate out and float to the bottom of the, the sludge in the bottom as well. Okay. Yeah, because they get so heavy that they float to the bottom. Okay. So. Wow, it's a lot. It's a lot. Are there places that still crush the grapes with their feet and shit? Yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah, I was t- we were talking about... Well, they, why do they use their hands? What is the... Like, why the feet? It would be super tiring to use your hands. Also, you would yeah, drown. that's true. You would... Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, because they're literally standing yeah, exactly. on the thing. So people still use feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's I, not super common. better have manicured yeah. feet yeah. pettied. Okay. Um, well, think about it. You're, it's probably the... The least of my worries, all the yeah. bacteria. Maybe, maybe there's like a, a new industry... We're depending on people's foot bacteria. You're adding something to the process. Or the process adds to your foot microbiome. That's a beautiful like symbiotic, a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> They're disturbing. I'm just saying, you want to get some footy. Uh, it sounds so gross. Yeah. I mean, feet are, you know, I have really nice feet, but feet can be really gross. In terms of. Oh, by the way, you know, uh, um, foot stink bacteria. Yes. Uh, Athlete's foot or is that different? No, just regular stinky foot. Regular foot. foot. 
That is the same bacteria that is the cheese they use to they they inoculate Telegio with. You know Telegio cheese. I don't like Telegio. It's super stinky, right? And it's the same. It's the foot it's the cheese. Same Brevibacterium linensis. Oh, that Jesus. is yes. anyway. You got to be on foot jeopardy. No, but that's a good thing to know. Fuck Telegio. <laughs> I have a hard enough time with them. Um, not Camembert. What's that other the blue cheese? The um, is it Camembert? No, no. Camembert's not. Camembert's blue. just like brie. What is the one I'm thinking? Gorgonzola. Gorgonzola. It's too stinky yeah, for it's you. It's veiny. The blue veiny cheeses. I always stay away. There's one like cheese. I think it's from Switzerland. It might be Telegio. Just smells. Just, I mean, it's like death and destruction. I try and remember that. I'm not a fan of those. Like, why? You know what I mean? Why? I don't. I know. once when I at my at my restaurant, I had a woman have an anaphylactic reaction to a piece of super aged gouda. Ugh. She was sitting. I was actually sitting next to her. I was on the banquette doing a little wow. bit of work on my, my yeah. computer. It was early on in the evening, and she started leaning towards me, oh, and, I, and I said. I have a pillow in the back if you'd like. And <laughs> as I said that, her eyeballs rolled back in her head and she projectile vomited oh, about 10 Jesus. feet on me and on the table. It was it was dramatic. Uh, and she had eaten the cheese that anybody else could eat. But she didn't know that she was allergic? Uh, she had some, it's five-year-old Gouda, you know. And I think was, it's Gouda, Gouda. Is it? How yeah, the it? Dutch say Gouda. If, if I said Van, Van Gogh, would you? Van okay? Gogh and Gouda. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I just want, not that I'm, you know, a Dutchophile. No, but I, it's, I'm going to I also want to contribute tidbits howda. of info. I'm saying howda from now howda. on. Howda. Yeah. Howda. Oh God. <laughs> it's howda. Um, the Dutch are weird. Anyway, um, yeah, so that was, that was a thing. So people have weird allergies to very, yeah, if something's that strong, I feel like it should not be eaten. You know what I mean? Unless I feel you like, like testing yourself. Yeah, I eating hurled. your feet. I get hurled. Yeah, I get hurled. <laughs> eat, eat a foot. You see those people torturing themselves with those hot sauce taste, you know, when they taste that, that, There's that show. You ever see that show that with the chicken wings? The, no, the, I've just seen like on YouTube people eating like ghost peppers and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. There's a show with celebrities where they have to eat increasingly hotter chicken wings yeah. with sauce that literally can burn your skin, like third degree burn. Yeah. And I love seeing that because you have these huge wrestlers that can't take it. They're like weeping and, you know, drinking milk. But then you had um, Charlize Ther- Theron or Theron yeah. and Padma Lakshmi fucking went through it with such poise. Awesome. And you can see their faces exploding and they can't even speak anymore. I mean, it's it's so hot. It's so hot. And I don't mean in a sexual way. I mean, it's so hot. But see, I thought of what it was called. It's like this series. It's like a series. There's a million of them. I don't know. Google Charlie's Theron hot chicken wing spicy and see what comes up. It's a fun show. So I'm just trying to kind of get the yeah. gestalt here. In terms of uh, what makes a wine like so expensive. First, you have the grape, the, the, the basic grape, where you grow it. What the, even if it's the same species, it's going to have different flavors depending Great. on the yeah. climate, yeah, the yeah. soil, if you massage it, if you talk to it, blah, blah, blah. Then you have the quality of the, the vat or the barrel. I guess you can have different kinds of oak and you Correct. can test and whatever. So yep. I could make wine myself with an oak barrel in my backyard if, if you're telling me that. But it's a wine grape. I can't get the grapes Trader Joe's. I got to buy the little little rinky-dinky wine grapes. Yeah, I mean, you could you can make wine with any grapes you find. The wine not be particularly delicious. Like, yeah, but like yeah, Telegio. any any grape that's sound is a could be a vehicle for making. wine. Okay, so then once you have that and you're aging it, you can either add schmutz, or if you're doing a natural wine, you don't add anything. Don't add it's anything. only ambient yeah. yeast yeah. and ambient tannins and don't everything use any that's enzymes, happening. Uh, don't inoculate. You're not adding anything. Don't inoculate with bacteria or yeast. Okay, it's all just. It's all natural. Yeah, you might yeah. you can breathe on it if you want a little extra to kind of give it a little kick. And then how long you wait. So depending on when people... Okay, here's my other question. When people say 2014 was a great year, yeah. okay? Nobody knows if it's a great year just from tasting the, gra- the raw grape, right? It's really 
only after the whole process has gone through? Or can a winemaker taste his grape and say, this is going to make an amazing batch? I think they have a lot of confidence if they know it's a good vintage because they look at the quality of the fruit and they taste the fruit. And what the fruit tastes like to a winemaker is not necessarily what it tastes like to us. Exactly. They look yeah. for different things. That's what they, I'm know, they know what the result is. But they look at the condition of the fruit. Is there any mold? Is there uh, not reduced heat because it was heat, because it was uh, reduced yield because it was so hot and okay. dry? And yeah. So the pan- well, that's not good for down. the planet now. Well, yeah. you can also have a wine that's really concentrated and alcoholic that way, too. If you want to make wine like that, okay. uh, that's a good vintage for you. Okay. If you like wines that are a little more balanced, have a little more acidity, you might, you know, you know add acidity if you're making industrial wines at that point so is there a country that's up because i know france and italy and spain and portugal and argentina right or chile as well are there any countries that are up and coming with like some good wines like is greece worth it you know worth any good wine or or israel i know israel has some wines uh, jordan or egypt any of those places well, or you need some mountainous regions. Greece, to, for sure, yeah? has some really fantastic wine. I don't like ouzo. I just want to put that That's out there. That's not even wine. I know, but yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. I just want you to know I don't like it. Do okay, like, sorry. Yeah. I'm just, I get, uh, anything with Relax, a niece. Relax, you among friends. Yeah, no, anything with a niece. I love how you get Jewy on me all of a sudden. I like it. That's Jewy? Relax, you're among friends. No, it's not Jewy? Maybe it's just a New York. New Yorker. I, yeah, I yeah. equate the two. Yeah. Right? True. I mean, anybody who lives in New York and is not Jewish, I don't know what they're doing there. They might as well leave. Awkward silence. Yeah, there's... Do you ever hang out in the East Village, like, in the early 80s? Uh, I've been... Yeah, I've been to the East Village in the early 80s. uh, And I've been to Soho. You ever experience any kind of, uh, like, Ukrainian-looking-at-Jew kind of action? Yeah, well, they have that Veselka place. Veselka, Veselka. I think it's Veselka, the way the Ukrainians say it. I'm going to correct you on Chauda and Veselka, but the hipsters say Veselka. If I said Veselka... That would be shameful. I know. People are like, fuck you yeah. and your pretend Alex Trebekian. I don't want to say I love Alex Trebekian. Now that yeah, he's Alex sick, it makes me yeah. sad. Anyway. I think Ukrainians are still very anti-Semitic. I don't think anything's changed. I think, I think anyway, just it was interesting experiencing it. So you grew up in the East Village? No, I grew up in Minneapolis. Oh, I, okay. I, moved, I went, to, moved to New York when I was 18 to go to, go to NYU, film, okay. film school. And that's, is that where you met your wife? Your wife, by the way, for those that don't know, can I mention your wife sure, on course. the podcast? Uh, Lou's wife is, and I'm going to, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, Manola Dargis? Dargis. Dargis, okay. So Manola Dargis, who is the um, head of film critic of the New York Times and is, was nominated for a, a Pulitzer, as I recall, and is amazing. I usually agree with her. Sometimes I'm like, Manola, what's up? But I usually agree with her. So you guys met in New York, and she's from the East Village, correct? Yeah, she grew up in St. Mark's Place. She On St. Mark's? Yeah. Wow. That's kind of hot. That's cool. Okay, so what was the connection to East Village? I'm sorry. Oh, just or was, just we had a non sequitur. It was a, it was a sidebar that went. Yeah. Okay. What is your ethnic background? Uh, I am both Eastern European and Western European. Okay. So just European. Romanian mm-hmm. and uh, Lithuanian on my father's side. Okay. My mother's side is uh, Romanian and German. And German. Yeah. A lot of Romanian in there. That's yeah. Sammy's Romanian. That's another spot That's in the true. East Village. Yeah. Uh, do you ever eat schmaltz? Hello. <laughs> The fuck you talk about maybe schmaltz. Do you? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Has to has schmaltz is just pretty much chicken fat, isn't it? Well, you got to have it with gribbiness. What the fuck? And you got to have it with with, the, with with onions when you when you make the gribbiness. What the fuck is gribbiness? You put it on fucking rye bread on toast, and it's delicious. So schmaltz is just chicken fat in spreadable rendered, form. Rendered chicken fat. It gets it, it, it as, as it cools down, it solidifies. Like almost like a butter, like a mango chutney. And but what you add from poultry. to it is the chicken skin that you've taken off the chicken, uh, because Jewish chicken the skin's kind of flabby. 
Yeah. And so you take it off the chicken. You're saying certain chickens are Jewish and their skin is flabby? The way, the way, the they, way they slaughter them. The, no, the typical roast okay. chicken. Okay. It's not a, we're not a crispy skin people. Right. No, we're it's more like the gefilte fish. I mean, the textures are horrific. The okay. gefilte fish. I mean, there's, so the schmaltz is also just as horrific, right? I mean. No, I mean, good, schmaltz is just it's rendered just yummy. chicken fat. Okay. And then okay. When, and then. The way I like to eat it is with rendered, uh, when you take what the skin. What do you mean skin, rendered? Is it a computer program? What is rendered? <laughs> rendered when you take all the fat out of it. Oh, uh, okay. So you anorexify you, you, it. Or you, think it, you remove the fat from solids. So like if you render chicken fat. Right. You, you get rid of all the bleh, Okay. It's a reduction. It it's a reduction. But if you render chicken skin, you're getting rid of some of the fat and you're crisping it up and removing all the water. So it gets really crunchy. Wow. Like, you know, like uh, pork cracklings. I don't, that's uh, yeah. Rendered, that's rendered. That's uh, rendered yeah. pork crack. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so you add that with onion and you cook the onion when you're cooking it uh, with the with schmaltz. With the schmaltz. And, and, with, and then it's like this disgusting, delicious thing. Well, chopped liver's good. I like good, chopped liver. Well, it's chopped the one liver, chewy food that I like. Chopped liver is a very deracinated thing, I think. And good chopped liver is, is really good. The vocabulary is the wall yeah. here. Deracinated. It's, it's mostly crappy today. So yeah. good chopped liver is is, is It's quite a delight. Yeah, it's really good. I think New York is now going to outlaw faux gras, right? It if it, did they outlaw it? I don't know. I don't follow You that. can still have pate, can't you? Yeah, but it can't have foie gras. I don't know. Foie gras on the neck, right? The duck neck or something where they no, it's, choke it's the, the ducks. No, it's the engorged liver of a duck or a goose. Oh, jeez. That they force feed with grain. and they, It's kind of like the- <laughs> it's dark. The, I want to. I'm still not going to go vegan, but it is dark. Um, what is the best best wine, the red wine in the world, in your opinion? Now, what's the most expensive red wine in the world, and are they con- congruent? Is that I want to use words like you. So, is that are they congruent? I don't think so. Okay, I so mean, tell me your opinion. I know it's just again, one man's opinion. You know, other wine buyers may disagree. Okay, so um, as I was saying, you know. A, an eighteen dollar bottle of wine, your pleasure that you take in it. I'm not talking about the, the psycho psycho psychological, you know. What other value is there? I'm talking about like no, I'm not talking about like the average joke. Yeah, because I think yeah. that people say, well, in France and Italy, their table wine is simple but delicious, and they drink them not even wine glasses; they drink them in little like little shot glasses, and it's all not pretentious. And because they're European, it's automatically pretentious. But whatever. But in Europe, like if the wine spectators voting the best wine. You know, what's on the market today is considered the most expensive one. Is that the Chateau Neuf du Pop or something? No, no, that's not way not expensive oh, okay. comparatively. So give me, just give me the one that I want to ask The most expensive wines today are First Growth, Bordeaux, and Burgundy. So really, these are wines that are available in very tiny quantities okay. uh, because of some monopolistic practices and also oh. delineation of specific vineyard areas. Like okay. this is the top flight. And this is the French, right. Exactly. Yes. And so those those command because there's international demand for them. Okay. Uh, and so the you know the traditional export market is now been heated up because there's huge demand in Japan and China and right, other right. places. Probably so, Abu Dhabi, even though they don't exactly. drink, well, do they? Well Saudi they, Emirates. I don't they're, know. They're not drinking wine there. I don't know what they're doing. Okay. I don't think there's too much export to those yeah, countries. Yeah, but I'm saying like, okay, so I'm not talking about like a wine from Napoleon's time that may right. or not still be good from 1840. Uh, can wine last that long? Can wine last 100 well, years? Well, Madeira be good? can last. Because it's just getting sweeter and sweeter. Well, no, because it's made in an oxidative way. So it's already been aged in barrels right. for decades. Right, so there, it is where it's going, and yeah. it's just going to keep going. Yeah, and so going. it's been introduced to a lot of air. And they start with a wine that has a shitload of acidity. Right. Uh, and and then the slow oxidation just changes it and makes it into this golden, you got to try it. All They're right, really sounds, exciting yeah, sounds like. So what is that pr- price point for that burgundy, first growth burgundy? Well, like Domaine Romani Conti, okay, uh, a seven fifty. Seven fifty. I don't work with these wines, but 
is it twelve hundred dollars a bottle? Okay. I may be, I so may that's be, in your average consumer expensive, but I guess I may be underestimating. Maybe my much. There more. might be like a museum that has a wine that's worth like fifty grand or something, or they never get to that price. Well, these trophy wines that no one ever opens, okay, because they were from Napoleon's, you know, right? But then the chances of them still being good are pretty slim. Like people had Jefferson's Madeira, I think, and you know, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's a little. Yeah. yeah. Is there a good box wine? Yeah, we sell boxed wine. Can you recommend me one? Yeah. What do you like? Well, the thing I like about boxed wine is that uh, it's typically the boxes are four bottles. So okay. it's, it's three liters. Okay, so and it's a nice size for a good evening alone. Uh, it's light. Okay. Uh, so if you compare it to the bulk of the glass, it's much lighter. The whole thing's recyclable, even though recycling's not, there's a bunch of who. Right, yeah. Uh, we can. That's a whole other episode. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, uh, but the carbon footprint of schlepping this over across the Atlantic yes. and then through the Panama Canal and right. to us so is from much an environmental lower. perspective, yeah, there's, there's it's a green a better, side yeah, to it. Nice green be, yeah, side. Especially for wines that you're going to drink young and you're not going to let, you know, not a yeah. ceremonial thing. So I work with a couple different, one that I like working with, and you can even get it at Whole Foods, okay. uh, is made by the Esther Zarg Co-op. It's called From the Tank. And okay. there's a red... Uh, the one I really love is the rosé. Okay. And you just put it in your fridge, and it, once you open it, lasts for three weeks. And a little spigot, and you just give yourself some more. A spigot. I like yeah. a spigot. Yeah. Did you ever make a discovery that you're like, holy shit, like, where did this come from? Well, I was in Greece in June, and it was a, for me, it was a fantastic wine trip. Okay. And these wine trips are, are pretty grueling. It's not like I'm working But are they tax mine. deductible? It's a business, not deductible, it's a business expense. Okay. So all my, all my well, I would hope all your trips yeah, are. Yeah, I just, it is. It's I nice mean, when you're working in wine. Everything yeah. is, uh, you go to a titty bar, like it's, you know, I had a drink. It's an expense. Sorry. I didn't, That's yeah, how I fly. I don't, I don't need a tax benefit to go to a titty bar. <laughs> I, I'm just <laughs> saying, it's a perk. It's another, <laughs> another reason to go. I have not been to a titty bar in. In many years. You least, need to take Manola and explore. Years. I'm sure Manola's so saturated from film. How about introduce her to another medium? Actually, the last time I went was with Manola. We went to Bob's Classy Lady in the Valley. Oh, I love that. Uh, because um, Nina Hartley was dancing. I don't and, know who that is. Uh, the Titus Tuchus in Tinseltown. Is she the Titus Tuchus for people, is ass, just for She's people that know. a long-time porn star, now, uh, oh, okay. now a major gilf porn star. <laughs> uh, uh, is she gilfy already? Uh, she's 70. Maybe? What's her name? Nina Hartley? Nina Hartley. And she was dancing. How old was she in her well, like 60s? Well, Manola interviewed her because she's, she's an interesting woman. She's Sounds a socialist. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, she had an interesting feminist take on porn. And and anyway, so she, okay. Manola interviewed him when she was working, interviewed her, interviewed her when she was working for the Weekly. Okay. And at the, at the end, and at the end of the interview, Nina Hartley asked her, hey, I'm dancing tonight at Bob's class. Oh, I Lady. love you want to come and like bring your husband or whatever? And I was like, Sure, I'll put, put you on the glass guest list. Great. So we show yeah, up. Yeah, you don't want to pay a cover for that. No idea what to expect. Right. And we get there, and she's a fantastic dancer. Was it full nudity or like pasties and it's little triangles? It's full nudity because there's no liquor. They just, isn't that a oh, weird thing wow. in LA? So you, you, can, you can only have full nudity if there's no alcohol served. Right, because then the men have no urge. You're like, like, what? Like naked yeah. women and booze. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I love Lou's little interlude. No, but it's... Anyway, so we show up there, <laughs> okay. and uh, uh, Nina Hartley is an ama- amazing dancer. I'm and, sure. And it's, it's kind of weird being there with your wife, but what a fucking... Of course. And anyway, so we're there. Okay. And Did you the, find it titillating at all? At all? No. Oh, someone's buzzing. You want to check who that is? Uh, okay. Um, no. Okay. Uh, but, but it wasn't. didn't feel seedy. It felt classy because it's Bob's really. classy. It just, it, it's, it's, it's actually... What it's, do they serve? Milk and crackers? Like juice and crap like that and oh, seltzer. Jesus, that's and so weird. Root beer and crap like that. Because then it feels like it's for kids. Yeah. You know, so it mock, feels like it's a kid friendly environment. Of, but with, 
It's not a mocktail environment, put it that right. way. Right, okay. Anyway, so. I've been to many strip clubs, so I've, I've run the gamut. I've, I like Jumbo's Clown Room. That's a fun one. You've been to Jumbo's? But there, it's not full nudity, right? No, it's not full nudity. Yeah, and the girls pick there. their music. They're dancing like yeah. Rush and, yeah. and Yes and Metallica. So anyway, Nina Hartley, at the end, she's taking posing with photos. You can pay right. for a photo. And Manola goes to talk to her, and they meet for, in right, person. Right, they're right, talking. right, right. And Manola gestures me over, and I'm super embarrassed because, like, Nina Hartley is there. She's completely nude sitting in a chair. Have you seen her porn before? Are you well-versed in I'm her aware film of work? I was aware of her. Okay. This uh, is because this is pre-Pornhub. You probably had to rent the video. How was I aware or of pay, her? Or pay the Skinamax. No. I think there was was there there was already early internet porn. Okay, yeah, okay. Like, so she was in part of that world already. She's not that old. I don't know how I knew about her initially. Okay, well, we're anyway, around. Anyway, Nina Hartley. Okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, she's posing, and I'm like, like Manola says, "Come over here." My husband's a huge fan of yours. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Oh, I love that. So I go over go there, Manola. and Nina Hartley says, "Come on, on sit down." So I'm sit down, and there's Nina Hartley, completely nude, legs open. Full, Literally full, full vag, labia, vag, yeah, yeah, yeah. Way, clitoris uh, galore, and uh, and take the takes a photo of me with her, and That's she signs hilarious. it. Lou, dive in. Oh Nina. boy, so I like, cherish this as a memento. Wow, I don't want to come back with syphilis, Nina. As much as I love you, I'm not <laughs> diving in anywhere. Anyway, is it an, like? Do you ever go see movies with your wife? I do. Yeah. And she's sketching away on a notepad, Always. of the stuff that she can't stand, or some delightful. No, stuff. No, she takes notes during the movies. Wow. Yeah. I guess I just have her on. I want to ask her questions about how you, how are you, if you're ever able to distance yourself and watch a movie without the critical voice in your head. I find it probably impossible at this juncture. There's so such a plethora of knowledge and criticism floating around in your head, right? That you kind of witness, you're not very forgiving when it comes to amateur moves or clunky plot lines and things. Like, is she ever able to get emotionally invested in a movie? Oh, all the time. Yeah? yeah. Okay. And she's pretty charitable. I mean, she she likes schlocky movies as much as, much as the next yeah? person. Yeah? Okay. Okay. Yeah. What, who does he, she think is going to win the Oscar? Uh, she thinks it's all just bullshit and she doesn't care about it, really. Okay. So, I understand uh, that. She does. She's given up prognosticating. I feel like it's so political. It's like, literally, there's a gazillion movies out and it's the same dudes and the Irishman, I wanted to just jump out of the thing. I actually took a nap. I was so annoyed. I'm like, okay, that's a whole other thing. It's annoying. You like movies too, though. I oh, guess yeah. if you didn't like movies, you probably wouldn't, yes. this marriage wouldn't have lasted I as love long. Movies. Yeah. Happily married? Yeah. Good. Long time? Yeah. That's some kids? No. Wanted kids? No. Okay. No, yes. Tried, yeah. didn't pan no, out? yes, no. Okay, I got it. By the time we decided we might want them, we said, eh, nah. All right. So no need, no desire to adopt at a later age? No. Okay, you're like, fuck that. My wine is my, ch- my child. No. <laughs> That's really sad. <laughs> it does, does sound a little boozy. No. Um, my, me, my, me, would you like to meet my child? Oh my God. Hey. <laughs> Where do these characters live? I feel like booze is a trigger word for you. I say boozy, and then you go into one toothed wonder. I've never from... noticed it before. That's hilarious. I love that. When's Where's your next wine uh, uh, trip to? I'm hoping to go to Vienna in, uh, in June. The Austrians make some wines they too? They do, yeah. And there's a big Austrian biennial Austrian tasting that happens every year in Vienna. Okay. And uh, so I'm going to go to that. It's that's two days. And then I'm going to visit some Austrian wine producers that I haven't met before that I like. And I work with their wines. And eventually, you know, you work with someone's product for a few years. Right. And you kind of want to get to know them if you really dig what they're doing. Like, who, who are you, wacky person who's making yeah. these delicious wines? I, I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm probably right. But I feel like wine is a very, uh, obviously, intoxicating 
decadent, sensual thing. And I associate the process, obviously it's very precise, but with this like lusty, warm, sensual personality or approach to it, right? Um, like a Gerard Depardieu, you know what I mean? Like a rotund human late, in the late fields. Late Depardieu. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. But the Austrians and Germans seem so, like, wound up, you know, as a culture. Like, even Scandinavians, I don't see making an amazing wine. I Maybe they make other amazing, I mean, obviously there's amazing chefs, but for some reason I associate it with this, like, Mediterranean or, Mid- I don't know, like, I can't, like, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of passionate Austrians out there. They made some decent music back in the day. I just uh, imagine what's what. What do you eat in Austria? I don't know pork. the sausages. Yeah. yeah, and so you have pork and cheese, right? And sauerkraut and yeah, and all and later hosen and beers and, and shit stuff like that. Yeah, and so you have this hearty cuisine, and you have these light, fresh wines with which to enjoy it. So that's part of it. Okay, uh, so, so you want a light wine with a heavy meal. Depends. Or do you want to balance it, it with depends. just a heavy wine? It depends wine. what you're eating. You know, like if, if I'm having um, like pulled pork. Right. Um, I might want like a light, crisp Lambrusco, cold, fizzy red wine with okay. it, dry. Right. Uh, no sugar. Okay. Or, or I might, it's like, hey, I've got this uh, dad left this bottle of 74 Zinfandel. Let's see what the hell this is like. And you open it up and that could be delicious wine with that meal. So... Um, what makes a wine heavy versus light? It's well, part of it is the extract, the amount of dry matter that's in there. Okay. Uh, so how you, pulpy it is. Well, if you if you took wine and, and poured it on a saucer and let it evaporate, okay, there'd be dry matter left. Some wines there's okay. nothing left; it just okay. evaporates. Other wines there's like sludge. So the lighter ones all evaporate, and there's sludge that's in the heavier ones. Part of it is alcohol contributes to the feeling of fullness in your okay. mouth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So a higher alcohol wine also has the effect of tasting a little sweet because alcohol oh, tastes sweet. Is Brunello a heavy wine? It can be, yes. Okay, and what makes that pricey? Part of it is the scarcity of land. There's a delimited area where okay, and the grapes have a very distinct flavor from that area. They do. That's the that's the hypothesis. That's the magic. Yeah. Okay. You don't buy it, Brunello. No, you're saying hypothesis. You don't. You don't. You don't believe that. Well, because it sounds like a little skeptical there. No, I mean I'm. I am an analytical person. I guess I got I that with a nice that, vocabulary. Sorry. I accept that terroir, what we, what, how wines can taste from where they're from. Right. We call it terroir. It's terroir. a French word. Okay. Uh, uh, is a complicated thing, mm-hmm. and I don't even pretend to understand ten percent of it or five percent of okay. it. Okay. I think no. I don't think anybody really understands exactly how wines taste the way they do. Right. When they come from specific areas, and uh, so to me, it's a it's a mysterious thing that I love, and I'm very interested in it. So I'm always learning about I it. I love it. I um, love it. You know, it, a lot of people just talk about rocks. Right. And it's like, well, you got this uh, sandstone, and uh, you got flint. Uh, <laughs> this wine was grown on clay. Right. And like, and like so you, that to me is interesting, but if you like geology, which I do. Right. But it's way more interesting to me is all the micro life and what's happening in the microbiome and underneath the soil and all like the worms and bacteria yes. and yeast yes. and fungi that are growing there and all like the secret life of plants, how plants communicate to each other through their roots. And that's all super weird and interesting to me. I think I'm fe- I feel very ambivalent regarding bacteria. I find that. Many things in life are clear who the good guys and the bad guys are. And I I feel bad for bacteria, too, but they really run the gamut. They can kill us, but we need them in our gut. They make beautiful things like wine, but they also cause disease. It's just a, a very, it's a confusing entity. 
That's all. I got to tap into more clearly how I feel about it. Uh, the more I learn about bacteria, the more unsettling it is. Yeah, and well. The more you learn about them, the more mysterious and yeah, trippy yeah. they are. Yes. And they're going to rule the world. They're, they're malevolent and benevolent, but that's, that is part of it. But yeah. So you phrased me- it more prettier than I did. But the mechanism and how they work and how, how viruses can infect bacteria. Yeah, viruses are the worst. Because viruses don't do good shit at all. It's all bad. Bacteria at least have a good side to them. Viruses are just, they just fuck you up and that's it. Fuck viruses. Yeah. Sorry. I got my flu shot. Um, Lou's Wine Shop, uh, if you're in L.A., please go visit. Lou is usually there. His, his people are great. Lighting, you can improve a bit. It's a little bit of pap smear lighting in there. I feel like you could use a little more warm lighting, maybe some more halogens. It feels a little fluorescent to me. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm glad to get the feedback. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's in a strip mall right by a really annoying juice place, which I hope they replace with a tanning salon, which I think was there before the juice place. No, they're, they're, they're both there. Okay. It's a weird strip mall. You are a gem amongst kind of a desert. I mean, there's a pet store, a tanning salon, and a juice bar. Foot doctor. There's a foot, of course there is, a Telegio doctor. Um, But Lou's Wine Shop, what's the address? 1911 Hillhurst. 1911 Hillhurst, right off of Franklin. Uh, Please go, please support, and you can also follow Lou at Lou Wine Shop on Instagram. Yep. Uh, Lou Amder, thank you so much for, me. for coming. Uh, I feel more knowledgeable, and I'm going to go have a drink. It's 10.30 a.m. I think it's time for a nice awesome. Madeira. Uh, I'll see you guys next week. I'm excited. I'm going to have uh, Andy McDowell on. It's going to be a fun episode. I love you all. Please share and subscribe and spread the word to friends. www.xraepod.com. This is Raylan Casper-White signing off. <laughs>